Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us some stories from other parts of the world. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting on? Uh, right, South Korea we're going to go to first. And uh, this is, well, I suppose it was a story about a police officer being investigated. Now they've been found dead. Uh, yeah. So what were they being investigated for? Well, do you remember that terrible incident that happened on the 29th of October in Seoul? It happened in the social area of, of Seoul, Itaewon, it's called, mm. where 156 people died because of overcrowding and I think yeah. a lot of people collapsed and there was a crush and there was panic. It was it was terrible stuff altogether and about 200 were injured as well on top of that. And obviously because it happened in a capital city and there was overcrowding, there's been an investigation launched and there's been questions asked as to who knew what and, you know, who did what or who didn't do what in the build-up to the actual incident itself and, and in response to it, right? And this one individual, they're only giving his surname, Jiang, he was a 55-year-old official who was in charge of intelligence affairs, apparently, at a local police station called Yong San Police Station, and that covered the area there of Itaewon. And he was being investigated for effectively getting rid of internal documents or an internal intelligence report which related to um, the goings-on around this, right? There had been a okay. report issue in the days previous to the events that were happening here because it was a Halloween party previous to the to the days that were building up to this that said, warned the officials that they needed to have more police on the ground because a lot of people were going to turn up. As, as it turned out, 100,000 people turned up. They didn't expect so many and that's why the tragedy unfolded. This guy was being investigated and he was found dead last Friday at around lunchtime in his home. We suspect that it was a suicide. Right, OK. And But it just seemed like the bulk of the blame was being piled on top of him. No, I, I wouldn't say... That, that's a great question. Not, I, I can't say that he was taking all of the responsibility mm. for it or was going to end up taking all of the responsibility for it. He was one particular individual in sev- among several who are being investigated from what I can gather. I mean, there was a raid last week on a police station, a fire station and local authority offices, right? The mayor has come out and apologised. The interior minister has come out and apologised. The police chief has come out and apologised. But there are there is more to this just to just to say if I can add a little bit more to it that there was in the four hours to the build up of this particular incident there was 11 phone calls made to the emergency services warning them that a crowd had been build uh, was building up right eight of those were on a very high alert so they have these different codes code zero code one and up to four Mm. and five or whatever to, to sort of um, filtered the responses to it. There was only four responses to these 11 calls. Uh, so of the 11 calls, only four were responded to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where a group of police were redeployed to an area, one of the areas where the people had gathered, dispersed some of them and then went back to the duties that they were doing already. So they didn't hang around to deal with any more build-up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So effectively, this was not controlled at all. Yeah. Uh, is there an official investigation into this or a, or a tribunal of something of that well, nature? Well, I, I think there's several investigations being put together now and uh, presumably it'll all come together into, into one thing. But I think given that so many people, different strands of the state or of the city have been involved in this, that yeah. there, will, there will be a lot of people uh, investigated here. Right. OK. Uh, right. Ghana, we're going to go to next. And um, th- uh, this is a woman who uh, has, has passed her uh, law exams, but isn't being called to the, the 
bar. She's not been called to the bar. Uh, Alorm Ababio is her real name, but her popular name is Ama Governor. And she's called Ama Governor on her YouTube channel. And she is very popular in Ghana. She has over 65,000 subscribers. And uh, she did, as you say, she passed her bar exams. She did the interview session and she did that well. And she should have been called to the bar last Friday. But she received a letter from the secretary to the general legal counsel, basically saying that there had been a complaint received from what they called a concerned citizen alleging that she lacks good character. Right now, in the complaint, there was a link to the YouTube channel or to a specific YouTube video uh, attached. And um, purely for research purposes, I did go and have a look at the YouTube channel, which was fair enough. Now, in most cases, she talks about fashion and makeup and all that kind of thing. But sometimes she talks about the fact that she's bisexual or she might she thinks she might be pansexual uh, or she thinks she might be a lesbian. She talks about her sexuality quite a bit, right? right. She okay. gets there, There's one particular video where, she, where she's getting a tattoo on her backside, that kind of thing. So I imagine, it's a long shot here now, but I imagine that this concerned citizen was probably concerned about those kinds of videos and didn't like the idea of her, this young woman, going to the bar uh, with that kind of a past, shall we say, or present. Okay, mm. So th- th- this was the problem. Uh, a three-member committee has been put, a- put together now to investigate the complaint. And in the meantime, uh, she's garnered an awful lot of support, as you can imagine, from people online, on Twitter. And there's been various different petitions put together to try and get this three-person committee to do away with the investigation and to let her uh, into the bar to practice. So yeah. uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, in Ghana, uh, what's the proportion men to women? Great question. It's quite high, actually, uh, relative to, to, to other countries. So in the bar, 30% of those who, who practice at the bar are women. Okay. Uh, compared to Ireland, which is 36%. So huh. by African standards, I think it's it's not too bad at all. And they've got a pretty decent history of of women in law. They have two chief, do- they've had two chief female chief justices. Uh, since their independence in the 1960s. Um, and so it, it, it's not a bad record. It probably could be better, of course, but it's not bad. Right, OK. But, but it sounds from what you say, the stuff on our YouTube channel is the same kind of stuff most influencers would, would talk yeah. about. It yeah, wasn't yeah. porn. Or, no, there's, or there's no, she does talk about porn, but in relation to, to her sexuality yeah, and why she might be that way. But there's no nudity or anything like yeah. that. There's nothing, well, because there can't be. But yeah. you, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not that bad, really. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Right, uh, the uh, yeah Germany we're going to go to now, and uh, this is a bizarre one. Mm. We did actually mention this uh, uh, during the week about KFC uh, exhorting customers to celebrate Kristallnacht. Yes, Kristallnacht, uh, as you know, uh, was an event that happened on the 9th of November 1938. Uh, a lot of people see it as the start of the Holocaust. It was when uh, a Nazi-led series of attacks resulted in the deaths of 90 Jews, over 90 Jews, and uh, the attack, the attacking of biz- Jewish-owned businesses and places of worship, OK? So, as most people know, the Night of Glass is the translation, as it's called. And um, KFC, on the day of the anniversary of the Crystal Lock, they issued a statement or, or a kind of a message to the people that are their customers on an app or whatever. I'll read it out to you if I can. It's Memorial Day for Kristallnacht! Exclamation mark. Treat yourself with more tender cheese on your crispy chicken now at KFC Cheese. And as you can imagine, it didn't go down very well. Now, they twigged it, in fairness to them, they twigged it straight away, right? And they sent an apology. Well, not straight away, but an hour later, they sent an apology saying, look, we don't know what went wrong there. 
um, please excuse this error. And they tried to withdraw as much as they can. They then issued a statement in Newsweek saying that what had happened was they have a calendar that's connected to a bot, right, which automates, obviously, messages to, around anniversaries mm. and, and celebrations or things that should be celebrated. And this particular day, which is commemorated in Germany, but not necessarily celebrated, uh, was on that list. And that's why it was sent. It was an automated message. And uh, I think they'll be checking that system quite rigorously in future. Uh, yeah, then it's kind of surprising and it hasn't happened before before that. Yeah, I was thinking that myself. It must be a new system of some sort or something happened. But they're, they're, I think the point about it is they're saying it's not. A, it wasn't hacked because they could have easily said, oh, we were hacked, not our fault. They have kind of owned up to it. Um, but they're saying that it was an automated thing, but a, a strange one. Yeah. Does this bot just push their uh, uh, cheese on crispy chicken or does it select depending on, uh, on what the commemoration day is, which particular delicious now, now that, the past now, it's now, pushing? Now, now that I don't know, to be honest with you. You'd probably uh, have to get on to them about the particulars of it. Uh, yeah. If you know this you know, algorithm found some sort of or thought there was a link between Kristallnacht and cheese was uh, it's, it's, it's even stranger right the Dominican the Dominican Republic uh, we're going to go to uh, next uh, sadly the kind of story you hear a lot of at this time of the year in that part of the world uh, severe floods there yeah the, I think the reason I picked this is because normally when we talk about this part of the world we're talking about Haiti and the disasters on the yeah. other side of the island what is it Hispaniola isn't that what it's called uh, on the other side of the island but the Dominican Republic has been affected in this case by far the richer part of the island but obviously has its problems as well with with climate change and everything that's going on and six people as you said have been killed as a result of torrential rain 232 millimetres of rain fell in a couple of hours right twice as much the estimate for the whole of the month Uh, quite extraordinary this led to flooding and um, two people drowned two people were electrocuted and two people died as a result of a wall collapsing on top of them so a horrible right. uh, story unfortunately and it's kind of this time of the year it that is. those things start to happen so you may well hear uh, more about them uh, Peru we're going to go to uh, next and now this is like indigenous protesters were they holding people to, to ransom essentially yeah, the, and this is why this stood out to me because this is new uh, it's, it's, it's very much a new tactic right so uh, effectively what happened was a group of people from the and a local indigenous tribe in the Amazon in Peru called the Kukama tribe uh, they held uh, they took a boat and they held people hostage for 24 hours so there was 248 people on board in total most of them were Peruvians but there was 20 foreigners on board and Probably, if you're to be sort of cynical about it, that was a bonus for them in Mm. in that, you know, it's going to draw more international attention because there was British people, Germans, Americans on it as well. And they they did let them go after 24 hours, as I said, but and, and witnesses said that they were kind and respectful and they pointed out to the people, to the people that they had taken hostage, why they were doing it, right? Okay. And they were doing it in protest at their own treatment, the way their rivers and their rainforests are being destroyed effectively, right? And oh. specifically, uh, it relates to a pipeline called the Nor Peruano Pipeline, right? This is a pipeline that's over a thousand kilometers long. It starts at two places in the Amazon basin and goes all the way out to the Pacific. There was a report issued last year, uh, Oxfam and another NGO issued it. And they said that between 2000 and 2019, there was 91 spills from this particular pipeline. 91 spills from this pipeline. An awful lot of that has gone into the rivers that they use for their fishing, their farming and everything else. And uh, it's destroying them. So this is what they've been driven to do. And as I said, the reason I 
took this story up is because it's a new tactic, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, that story and the previous story, both very uh, relevant to uh, the talks going on in Sharm mm. el-Sheikh at the moment. Uh, Slovenia has a new president. Yeah, just a quick one, because we mentioned it last week as a story to look out for. This is Natasha Pirk Masur. She won the election by 54% to her nearest rival, the Conservative Anze Logar, who got 46%, obviously. Um, she was a TV uh, newscaster, I think, for a while. Then she went off and studied law in Vienna, went to the United States and worked for CNN for a while. And she was also Melania Trump's lawyer. Hmm. Uh, in Slovenia. She was the person who represented Melania Trump. As you can imagine, when Trump started running for the White House, Melania's stock started rising and a lot of people in Slovenia tried to make money out of her. She hired this now the then lawyer, now president, uh, to look after her interests there. So that that could be an interesting state visit if Trump ever <laughs> yes. gets back. Yeah, that's, back a, that's an inter- interesting backstory. <laughs> right, so what should we look out for this week? Yeah, good few things uh, to look out for. Obviously, Bali, the G20, is happening this week. So an awful lot going on there, um, particularly around Russia. And, you know, the talks with uh, Biden and Xi Jinping yesterday seem mm. to be quite friendly and that kind of thing. But <laughs> we'll see if that lasts. Um, uh, Wednesday, a uh, strange one, but it's the Global International Day for Tolerance. Um, so we have to be extra tolerant. <laughs> Next on that week day. it's the day for intolerance. <laughs> <are> we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then on Thursday, the British Finance Minister Jeremy Hunt is announcing his mid-term fiscal statement, which is um, mm. supposed to reverse all that bad stuff that happened maybe a month ago. Uh, during the last Prime Ministership. So, a few things to watch out for there. Good stuff. All right, Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million. As ever, Jonathan DeBurka Butler, there you are. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 pm on News Talk.